welcome to Resilience in Life and Leadership with your host, Stephanie Olson. Hi, I'm so excited about this next guest. Alexis Lawson is joining us, and she is the founder and owner of Detox Sober Lounge. With having four years of sobriety, she's passionate about helping others stay sober by providing a safe, sober environment for them to come hang out so they do not feel as if they have to give up that nightlife. And I am thrilled to do this podcast going into the holidays because for people in recovery, it can be a very difficult time. So let's meet Alexis. Hello, welcome to the Being Resilient podcast. And I am here with Alexis Lawson, and I am so excited because Alexis has opened um, Detox Sober Lounge, which is a sober lounge, I guess, right? (laughs) And when I first saw it, I was so thrilled. One of the only ones in um, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let Alexis tell the story, and we'll we'll hear directly from Alexis. So, welcome to the Being Resilient podcast. I'm glad that you're with me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, share your story. Okay. Um, so, detox over lounge is an idea because I am in recovery myself, and there's not a lot of things for um, us to do in recovery that doesn't involve alcohol. And when it comes to, like, shooting pool, playing darts, dancing, karaoke, comedy. So I got the idea um, to start my own so that way we can have this space uh, that's safe for us. And it's not just for people in recovery. It's for – I made it for – individual recovery mostly, but I'm mm-hmm. learning that a lot of people outside of the recovery world is actually appreciating the idea and able to come out and enjoy a good night without alcohol as well. So that's really cool. It's um, great. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I started using drugs and alcohol at a very young age. I was 12 when I started smoking weed and drinking alcohol. And it was a fun thing at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we looked forward to on the weekends, me and friends to do and then it progressed through the years and by the time I was 16 I was about a daily pot smoker Mm. um then I I didn't finish school I um was drinking still um by the time I was 18 ish 18 I was doing coke and just dibbling dabbling here and there and um, because I was selling drugs as well. Mm-hmm. And um, my idea was if I did them, I could stay awake to sell more. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't very smart. But I met a girl when I was 18 who also did. She did crack cocaine and I got introduced to crack cocaine at 18. So that really um, catapulted me into a whole nother dimension of yeah. drug addiction. Yeah. So um, also in recovery. And, um, it, it definitely is just kind of an insidious cycle, you know, where you don't think it's going to be a problem. You think it's under control and then it just keeps spiraling. So why do you think, cause I know what it was for me, but what do you think was the attraction to drugs and alcohol or the attraction to you know, because at first 
it's it's not a a draw that you have to be there. What was the attraction to it? Um, fun mm-hmm. uh, to fit in, to feel comfortable being myself. Um, like alcohol gave me a sense of uh, popularity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, I mean, I was like somebody different every time I drank that I wasn't when I was sober. And I was always like a low self-esteem having mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. So I had the esteem boost with alcohol and drugs. Yeah. And I now today realize that it's all false, but at the time I didn't realize it, it just made me feel like something powerful. Yeah. That's good. I, I can totally relate. So tell me a little bit about how you got into recovery. Um, so like I mentioned at 18, I was on crack cocaine and, um, I ended up getting pregnant and had a baby at 20 and she got taken away from me. Um, Mm. CPS, um, was she born addicted? She was not born addicted. Okay. She took her on my admission of me using. I had her okay. early. Okay. So I had her. Um, they asked, was I using drugs and alcohol? I told them, yeah. But it had been weeks, so we didn't test positive or anything like that. So they took her on my admission only. Wow. And, um, yeah, I was blown away because they assured me that they weren't asking those questions. For that reason, they asked me those questions, they said, for uh, her safety. Mm-hmm. I went into labor early. So um, I trusted the doctors and told them the truth. And uh, she stayed in ICU for about six weeks. Mm. And when I came to get her, the day I came to get her, the foster parents were there. And they told me and my family we couldn't go back. And they, the CPS lady came out and dropped the news on us. And um, So no warning at all? No warning. That? No, wow. no one reached out. No one called. For a whole six weeks, we didn't think nothing of it. Um, we trusted the doctor, you know, and they said it was just basically on, you know, it was just for her safety. So that uh, floored me. And I literally know at that point is where my alcoholism kicked in heavily. Yeah. It kicked up uh, lots of notches because I couldn't use drugs because they're drug testing me to get, I was going through the whole CPS thing. So my mind was, oh, well, I can drink. Right, so right. Me for that, right. So I was drinking every day heavily, you know, morning to night. Um, and I didn't complete treatment. That was one of the requirements they asked of me to get uh, custody of my daughter. And I did not. I did all of the requirements besides completing treatment. Mm. I didn't really, I didn't think I had a problem. Um, and I wasn't really, at that time, to be honest. Yeah. I wasn't, um, I was still in denial. Um, everything was everyone else's fault. Mm-hmm. It was poor me, CPS, just the doctor's fault, it's my caseworkers, the treatment, right. um, therapist. It was everyone. I just wasn't ready. So, um, yeah, I ended up relinquishing my rights when she was three. Mm-hmm. My grandparents did foster her up until she was three, and then they adopted her at three years old. Oh, wow. So she's still around in my family. Great. The blessing. Yes. That is great. And yes. so you get to see her often and yes that that's fabulous i love that so um so what was it was there a turning point that you thought okay i got to i got to be done with this or 
You would think that would have been the turning point, but yeah. it was I have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say you would have think that would have done it, but it didn't. Yeah. It wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I still party really hard, heavily up until the age about 27 when I caught a attempted robbery case and I was facing 20 years. Mm. And the numbers wow. on that paper was really scary. Yeah. However, prior to me getting arrested, I remember driving in a car with one of my good friends and just like crying out to God, help me get off the drugs. I don't want to do meth. By this time I was on meth. I don't want to do meth anymore. Um, And I was looking for this, I guess, miracle to just come down and make me not do drugs and crave the drugs. That wasn't God's plan. His plan was a little rougher. I went to jail. (laughs) I I was looking for a miracle cure. Yeah, me too. It's like you want this, you want this over him to just take the urge uh-huh. away and desire and make your life better, right? Yep. And it wasn't it wasn't a thing. Now I know, you know, being in recovery that yeah. that's not a thing. Yeah. Something dramatic or traumatic has to really happen for us to, you know, get our attention. Yeah. Um, that for me was scary. Um, I was tired too by then. I had been using at that point for 15 years, wow. you know. Um, so when I went to jail is when I started writing treatment centers and asking for mm. help. So I got sober the first time in 2009, uh, on my own, knowing that I needed help and yeah. went willingly and open to the idea. Wow. That's, that is amazing. So how was treatment? Well, Coming from jail, it was great. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, in the beginning. It's all perspective, right? (laughs) It is all perspective. Yeah. So, in the beginning, it was great. And then, of course, it was tough. I learned a lot about myself um, and treatment. They, uh, it's the structure and the the boundaries they set with me. It was rough. You know, like I said, I had been trying to do it back when I was trying to get my kid back and I couldn't graduate. I just kept getting kicked out of treatment, leaving treatment. Um, And this one, I just really, really, really tried to make sure I stayed. But it was rough. I went in there with that same mentality and it wasn't happening. But I was so ready to try something different. I was more willing to give like follow the rules. Um, And yeah, it was it was rough. But I, I love, you know, where I went to treatment. Uh, Stephen Center mm-hmm. graduated. I graduated and I stayed there for like three months past the time I graduated. So about a total of nine or ten months as a transitional living client. And then I relapsed. So I had a relapse, yeah, which is relapse. really common. Yeah, I thought that I could still drink. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm not. I've been all these months. I haven't done any drugs. I can just drink. So I went out and drank, and I was smoking crack. But at the end of that night, I was back off to the races for three months. I think it's hard. um, You know, I think we put sometimes our addiction in boxes like, well, I can do this, but I can't do this. Or I can, you know, and what we forget sometimes is that it's a progressive disease. It just keeps going. So when we stop, so if we stop with the addiction in let's say 2010 and we don't start again until 2030 mm-hmm. it's like it never stopped when we start again in 2030 it it's like we just have continued in the addiction and so 
that's the piece. And so you don't start, you may start slow, but by the time, I mean, it doesn't last. You're, yeah, you're it back at it. Yeah, that's true. It's like, kind of like if you have a disease, which I believe it is. A disease yeah. Alcoholism. If you have a disease and you take your medicine and you're good for a while, you stop taking your medicine, you're no longer good. Right. Yeah. So it's, it never goes away, you know? So I have to constantly work every day at not only staying sober, but staying sane, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand because you yeah. start to lose your sanity and your spiritual connection and you're headed towards a relapse because now you right. have those negative emotions and feelings you want to make feel better. So, so I think one of the things that really surprised me was that I didn't just crave when, um, when I was feeling bad, but I remember one day I was driving home and it was sunny and the music was blaring. I had the windows open. I was like, I want to drink. And it just caught me off guard. Yeah. Because I had this image that I'd only relapse if it was, you know, this horrible moment or, or whatever. And, and fortunately I didn't take a drink that day, but that was the biggest, um, I, I really had to recognize that, yeah, it's every day, mm-hmm. all the time, no matter what, and you just have to be on guard. Yeah, I didn't need a reason to drink a drug either. Yep. Um, it can you wake up? That's a reason. That's right. <laughs> you know, time to go to bed. Nightcap. You know, there was yeah. no. Uh, but yeah, you're right. This happy moments, nice weather. Yeah. Um, you get a new job. You know, you're just feeling good. You want to mm-hmm. celebrate. You know. So yeah, it it so you have to every day practice, you know, a program of recovery and fill in that void. I like to tell people, um, like the alcohol and drugs was uh, in you, so you remove it out of you, so now you have a big hole, you know, mm. you have to constantly fill that hole with something, or else the alcohol and drugs is gonna find its way back in that yeah. hole. Yeah. And that something can't be material, can't be uh relationships, it has to be spiritual, you know, uh right. service work in a program, something fulfilling, you know, and that's where I'm at right now working on filling that void with meaningful things, you know, cause I've done the whole filled it up with jobs and money and women mm-hmm. and, and it just, it, it don't work. Yeah. You know, ended up relapsing again. So. Yeah. You, because it has to, up, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying, so if you fill yourself up, then the chances of you wanting to turn to alcohol and drugs is less likely because you're, you're full. I love that. And you have to get out of yourself to do that. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that for, you know, it's got to be outside of, of yourself. I love that. That's, That's true. amazing. So how long then, so you relapsed, um, you were right back in, how long was, was that journey of being right back in it? So when I relapsed in 2010 or nine, I got back sober in 2010. Um, so it was six years from then I was sober till mm-hmm. 2016. Wow. It's over for six years, but that's when I was filling that void mm-hmm. with money, things, clothes, shoes, nice car, TVs, mm-hmm. you know, everything on the outside that didn't really matter. And I was still a dark hole and I was empty in the inside and um, I was miserable and suicidal, mm-hmm. you know, wow. to kill myself and didn't know why. My family was like, why are you so depressed? You got everything. Wow. You're doing so great. And I didn't understand either. I, I don't know. I I felt like I was just doomed, you know? Yeah. But I now know that I wasn't doing the right things. I wasn't working a program of recovery. I wasn't doing any service work. I wasn't working on my goals and things. 
um, that drive me, um, like that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Just punching someone else's clock and just making money. That's not fulfilling for me. You know, I needed to be working on my passion. So how'd you figure that out? Oh, when I came back this time, I always knew I had an entrepreneur spirit because um, I was a drug dealer and mm-hmm. um, I did a whole bunch of other illegal activities. And yeah. Did well. Right. So when I got sober this time, I started trying out, out different. Oh, I watched Steve Harvey's Jump. Okay. If you guys haven't seen it. It's on YouTube. He talks about taking a leap and jumping mm-hmm. into your passion. And if you never jump, you'll never know. You know what wow. the worst happen. You hurt yourself. It hurts to not jump. So that got me. I literally quit my job that day. Wow. I shouldn't have probably done that, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) I said, that's it. Steve Harvey said, jump. I'm jumping. Steve Harvey. Harvey." That's great. And it was bad. So, but I I quit and I started an eBay business. And I started buying and selling clothes from the thrift store and be selling them on eBay. Mm Mm-hmm. So then that, and I was like, okay, I'm, I like when I want to work for myself, this is cool. And I got really into that for a while. And then it, it kind of went away after uh, some events happened in my life. Mm-hmm. So I did away with that. And I started a coach, a, a coaching idea. I was like, I'm going to hmm. be a life coach. And then uh, my therapist was like, Alexis, you can't be a life coach until you have coach yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good therapist. Yeah, how about you take your program and work on yourself for a while <laughs> and then see what happens. So I was bummed out about that. I was That's like, all right. Great. So I have been doing that though. And yeah. then I came up with the idea of detox sober lounge. So, but the more I, I experimented with trying my own businesses and trying different things, it let me know that I no longer want to work for someone for a long time. Mm-hmm. I want to work for myself at some point. And that, that alone pulls me enough and gives me enough to know that it's not worth me going out there doing drugs and alcohol anymore. You know, just the thought alone and knowing I could be successful with the same skills, you know, just in a legal way. And I love it. Way. I love it. So, so how did you come up with, um, detox sober lounge? Cause were, were you modeling it after something else or was it just, Hey, I need a place to go. Yeah, no. Uh, when I came up with the idea, I thought it was just my idea. It was literally like an aha moment. We were leaving the Hamilton Club, which is an AA club that we go to. It was midnight. We normally go and get pancakes and coffee. And I just was, I didn't want to go that night. It's like, I'm mm-hmm. tired of this, you know, tired of pancakes, tired of coffee. Yeah. We need to go to the pool. We want to go play darts. And I said, we need our own spot. And I was mm-hmm. said it out loud to everyone. It was like, yeah, that'd be dope. So then I started looking into it and then I mm-hmm. found out that there's five more United States and one. But only five. Only That's, five. Yeah. And then it, I was first, I was a little disappointed because I was like, oh man, someone else already doing it. <laughs> but then I realized that I could just leverage that and um, try, do my own because there's none out here. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I met the owner of Sands Bar in San Antonio and he told me he started with $200 popping up around town doing pop-up Wow. Events. I was like, I can do that. So I started doing pop-up events and then until we uh, got our biz- our building. Oh, I love that. And I-, I was so excited to see that because I've been, I've been sober for a long time, but when I got sober, I always thought, how am I going to have any fun without alcohol? You know, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? And, and so that was a really hard hard thing for me. And, and finally realizing, you know, I don't need 
I don't need to be drinking. I don't need to be doing drugs to actually have fun. And, but but it was a process. And I think if there was some place like detox that I would be able to actually go and have those good times in a safe environment. I think people who aren't in recovery don't realize how triggering alcohol can be, um, in certain situations. And, um, and so being able to go to a place that is safe is, is huge. Wow. So yes, it is. T- tell me the response you've received from people. Um, people are grateful. They come into the lounge and they, they're like, thank you for this. Thank you for having this. I get thank yous every night that we're open, you know, from customers that come in and just like, wow, thank you. That's amazing. And and what do you serve? So we have mocktails for the drinks, which is a non-alcoholic cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have, of course, sodas, coffee, Red Bull, and Monster, stuff like that. And then we also have nachos, chips and salsa. Sloppy that's Joe that's important right there. Yeah. Nachos yeah. are kind of key. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So we have, we have a full commercial kitchen. We're just um, raising money right now to get the equipment mm-hmm. in it so we can have a, a bar menu, like a, a whole menu with different foods. Right now we're operating from the other side of the kitchen, which is the bar side of things. Okay. So the health okay. department won't allow us until we get commercial equipment. And then yeah. we can only do certain things. That, so at some point we'll have food, lots of food. That is great. That's exciting. And do you have a staff or are we they do. volunteers or? They're all volunteers. There's 14 of us. Wow. There's 14 of us right now. And everyone's a volunteer right now. We have servers, bartenders, uh, floaters, and then we have security. We have a DJ. We have, uh, I have a fundraising coordinator. I have a chief financial officer. Um, yeah, there's event coordinator. So like, yeah, that is amazing together. I love it. So anything, um, any advice or anything that you'd want to say to people who are struggling with addiction or who are just kind of in that place of, well, I don't know if I am, or if I'm not, what would you say? Well, if you have to ask yourself that question, chances are something may be wrong. Um, not here to tell you that, Cause you have to figure it out on your own. But when I came back this time with my tail tucked, mm. <laughs> I, <literally, laughs> I said, okay, I'm going to give this 110% for one year and see wow. what happens. What's the worst can happen. You know, if I don't succeed, I can always go back to drugs and alcohol. So give yourself, you know, give it a shot. You six months out of your life, try, you know, a 12 step program or treatment, you know, just to figure out if you are, and if you can fix it now as before it's too late, mm-hmm. you don't want to go to where, you know, a lot of us go to where we've ranked credit, we've ranked our records, we've ranked relationships. Some people, you know, are, don't, they, are they run their life and die. Um, it doesn't have to be that, you know, um, give it a shot. Come yeah. try, try something different, you know, mm-hmm. Did you find that you had to, you know, they say um, you have to change your, your playground and your playmates. Did, did you have yeah. to do a whole life change? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I don't 
I don't socialize with anyone that I was using with anymore. Um, uh, I, had, I, I was homeless, so that changed when I'm no longer homeless. So, I mean, like, yeah, my playgrounds, which is here in my city, it doesn't mm-hmm. really trigger me. But when I first got sober, I couldn't go to certain neighborhoods because the liquor store or the yep. houses would make me crave, you know, that moment, the drug or have memories. Right. So in the beginning, yes. Um, just I, I avoided neighborhoods and stores and people, you know, for that matter. Yeah. So, but now I feel like after four years, I'm in a place where I can go into any neighborhood or store and I'd be triggered. That's great. I, when I first got sober, I couldn't even go to any gas station. Mm. I found myself going to the beer cooler, just standing there like, I didn't come to get beer. What? And then wow. it hit me that I came to get a soda or water and I had to shake it off and walk away. Like I would just stand there and yeah. stare like it was so, it's a habit. It is a habit. Absolutely. Wow. So I was like, no more gas stations. That is amazing. Well, you truly um, inspire me. I I love your story. I love what you've done. I think it's absolutely amazing. And um, you've come back from some really tough stuff and not only come back, but you've turned it into something that is going to bless and benefit so many people. And I love that. I love that this is in our city. I really do. I really do. And this podcast reaches a whole bunch of um, other areas, but um, right here in Omaha, Nebraska, we've got one of five sober lounges. That is fantastic. And I would love to see those pop up all over because other other people need those. So maybe you just start franchising out. Yep. That's the plan. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Uh, Anything else you'd like to share? Um, I'd like to offer a free drink to anyone who's listening to this podcast. Um, Just come into the lounge and mention that you heard on this podcast and we'll give you a first free drink. That is fantastic. Okay. So you heard it right here. You mentioned the being resilient podcast and that um, you heard Alexis on it and you get a free drink. I will be there. I will buy my drink, but I am just so excited to, um, to just be a part of what you're doing in the very small way that I am. I love it. I love it. How can people find you and find detox sober lounge? Okay. So we're located at seven, two, one, five Blondo street in Omaha, Nebraska. That's around the corner of 72nd Blondo. We have a website is www.detoxsoberlounge.com. That's D-E-T-O-X-S-O-B-E-R-L-O-U-N-G-E.com. We also have a Facebook page. It's Detox Sober Lounge. We have Instagram, Detox underscore Sober Lounge. And we have a phone number. So our phone number is 531-375-5741. Great. And I will have all of that information um, in, in the bottom of the podcast and I am just, I, so if you are in Omaha or in a surrounding area, please check out the um, Detox Sober Lounge. And, um, and if you're not, I would say reach out on Facebook, check out the website and then touch base with Alexis, if that's something you'd like to see in your area. So I, I think that would be fantastic. Thank you so much for being on and sharing your story and just being an inspiration to, to everybody out there who, um, 
who has been in recovery, who understands addiction and who needs to be in recovery because it is not easy. Um, very difficult road, but, um, but you really are an inspiration. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I've never done a podcast before. Well, and so, yes, I was your first. And then we, we will, I would love to do this again. Um, and maybe we can touch base and see how detox sober lounge is going and we'll, we'll connect again and, and hear more. So thank you. All right. Thank you everybody uh, for listening to the being resilient podcast and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please share with anyone you think will benefit from this podcast.